Hello and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. This is episode number 143 and I am sorry about the state of my voice. Brooke's got the lurgy. <laughs> is there a grosser word no, than lurgy? exactly why I said it. Thanks. Are you feeling okay? I'm not feeling like the greatest. This has been, I think, the second time ever you've come out of your deathbed. <laughs> I feel like that might be a little bit dramatic. I'm trying to be dramatic. Well, it's, yeah, look... I suppose we're all dying in some respect, aren't we? <laughs> okay, I'm just okay, your sick bed. My sick bed. You're out of your sick bed. I had a dream a... last night that we got um, comments on Facebook saying that we don't do anything fun anymore, that we're not funny anymore. Oh, this, so... this is certainly ticking that box. <laughs> I did. What a weird dream to have. You guys used to be so funny. Hashtag knowledge nugs. <laughs> Love knobs. That still applies, I think, that comment with this intro. Anyway, episode 143, you speak to the good doctor. I do. Dr. Carl from Neighbours. <laughs> I also speak to Dr. Justin Coulson. Was Carl a doctor in Neighbours? I think so. Carl Kennedy? Yeah. He was doc- oh, yeah, Dr. He Carl was too. Kennedy. Yeah, he was too. Yeah. Pretty sure he was like sued for malpractice at some point. Yeah. Dr. Carl, not Dr. Not Dr. Justin Coulson. Just, one is a real person who is very good at his job. The other one is a made-up character. Justin Coulson was on your show to talk about. Uh, well, Justin is a he's a family he's a fa- like a parenting expert, um, but he also he's a doctor of psychology, and he has been working in psychology with families for many many years. He's a father of six girls. Uh, and I wanted to talk specifically to Justin about his work in uh, developing and encouraging presence and mindfulness in parenting. And I think when we first sat down to talk, he was honestly a little bit miffed as to why I'd invited him on the show because it was... Like know, all good psychologists, he questioned well, he the very did. fabric of why he was on the, on the show. He did. And about I slow. It was interesting because yeah. he had this idea perhaps of, of, as many people do, of what slow living looks like. And mm. he thought, you know, he's busy, he, he works a lot, he travels a lot, he's a speaker, he does workshops all over the country. He's, he's got a full life. Mm. And he didn't think that that at all fit with the idea of slow living. Well, he said he's, him and his family are fast yeah. by nature. Yeah. yeah. They, they don't have to be mutually exclusive, mm. you know, which is one of the big things that I want people to understand about slow you don't have to, and I, Justin and I talk about this, you don't have to live in the country and bake your own bread in order to be mm-hmm. living a slow life. It's a mindset and it's about being present. mindful and yeah. present. Yeah. yeah. So I think, you know, once he, he realized that that was really the expertise of his that I wanted to tap into, he has so much to offer. Mm, I mean, I feel like he and great, I could have conversation. ongoing conversations yeah. because, I mean, while he is a parenting expert and that's where his passion is, you can tell in how enthusiastic he is talking about parenting and children um he gets he gets emotional talking about kids you know Mm. and 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 babies and raising Mm. raising young humans it's so beautiful Mm. so that's his his area of expertise and passion but virtually everything he and i talk about is relevant to anyone parent or not because we talk about the importance of you know presence and turning up for each other and avoiding comparisons and, you know, avoiding this ideal of trying to be everything and do everything for everyone because he sees what the outcome of that is, which is people stressed out of their, their minds and not able to be there for, for each other. Mm. I think it does highlight, especially the first part of the conversation, the identity and branding um, crisis <laughs> that um, 
that uh, slow has. Yeah, yeah. And this is something we've spoken about Mm. quite a few times and I think we'll continue to talk about because much like, you know, minimalism has this this branding issue of being all about sparse white rooms and living out of a backpack. Scandinavian inspired architecture. Yeah, Yeah, very, very minimal. Uh, The idea of slow kind of brings about rural living and, I don't know, like lots of colour coordination and natural fibres. I don't, I don't even know. It's oh, just... you're talking about hipsters now? No, not specifically. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, or the alternative that people mm. kind of think about slow is being a very blissed out mm-hmm. person who moves through the day. If know, you had any, have any more par- paracetamol, you're going to sound exactly like that. <laughs> yeah, I have had a little bit of paracetamol. Uh, but I think that's what people mm. kind of confuse the idea of slow, whereas what we are trying to do is make people aware of the fact that it's a mindset. Like you can live a full life and have days that are full without actually falling victim to this hectic mindset, this rush, this sort of quantity over quality. It's about mm. quality mm. in everything we do, quality in the food that we eat, the relationships we have, the conversations we have. Like the the things that we surround ourselves with, the experiences, all of them really could be summed up with the idea of slow, with the the notion of quality, I Mm. think. The warmth of this conversation is really, really beautiful, as as is the sound, because it was recorded in a studio and it's just, it was was beautiful to edit. (laughs) It was. And Justin also, his previous career was in radio. He has a radio radio voice. voice. He has a cracking radio voice. Coming up to the hour, it's... (laughs) There's a little traffic on the uh, Harbour Bridge. Uh, sorry, Justin. <laughs> Much better than that. So, Justin has very, very generously uh, given us a couple of offers for listeners of the show that he thought that you might be interested in. First is an ebook that is usually, I think, $10. He is happy to give it away to listeners of the Slow Home Podcast oh, for free. Awesome. Uh, It's called Five Surprising Secrets to Creating a Happier, More Successful You Starting Now. And in order to to get your free copy of that, you just need to go to happyfamilies.com.au and use the code FREE when you check out. Now, I will say I'm going to put all of this in the show notes. Rather than try to remember it now, uh, just head over to slowyourhome.com slash 143. We're going to link to everything there, including Justin's website, you know, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, all of the places. And he also has a wonderful new program. It's an online program called Nine Ways to a Resilient Child. Now, it's a nine-week video coaching course that Justin has created. Each week you get video um, coaching you know, package and you also get a PDF with activities and worksheets and things like that. So usually that's $189. If you use the code PRESENT, it's only $89. So again, all the details for that will be over at slowyourhome.com slash 143. And you can also just check out everything that Justin does at happyfamilies.com.au. But I think, I really think you guys are going to enjoy this episode a lot. I know I did. Uh, And I think there's a lot we can, Justin and I could dig into in future conversations. So please let us know if you've got follow-up questions or is there anything that, that you would like to know. Enjoy the show. Enjoy.
Justin. Hi, it's so nice to be with you, Brooke. Thank you so much for talking with me and uh, making the time. I need to confess before we start, I'm, I'm not a slow person. This is where I wanted to begin, actually. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit intense and, and I get excited and I speak very fast. I'm kind of wondering why I'm here and I'm mm. trying to be relaxed. Oh, please be relaxed. <laughs> if anything, I think I hopefully I'm, I'm, I'm tend relaxed. To make people I'm, I'm, relaxed. I'm cool with that. Uh, I mean, actually, the reason that I wanted to bring that up, because we were talking about it off air, this idea of slow. And you're like, I'm not a slow person. I haven't had a slow week. Uh, but I do do present. I am present. I'm intentional. Yeah. And I think that there's something really important there because people hear this idea of slow and they feel like that's completely – it's not something that can fit into my life because I'm busy, because things are hectic. Uh, but maybe – if we start talking about it in terms of mindful or present, people stop thinking about it in terms of country living and baking bread and, you know, wandering through Which the woods. Which sounds wonderfully romantic. It really does. But not real. Not very realistic. Well, for not most for me. Anyway, I've got six daughters, right? <laughs> six. Six. And, and yes, they were all intentionally conceived. There's, you know, we're all from the same family. I still live together reasonably happily most of the time. Uh, but, but slow in a household of six kids mm-hmm. aged from three to 18, um, we don't do slow. But we do as much as possible do present. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I define, I mean, this is so important for, for anyone who's a parent, and, and that's obviously my, my expertise, the, yep. the whole thing that I do, I, I define it as being where your feet are. Yes. You know, so I, I remember one night I wrote a book, my first book that was published by a publisher many years ago. Uh, and, and in that book, I had a list of all the things that we can do when we're present. Mm-hmm. And, and I basically said, think to yourself, what would your children say if you asked them, do I do all of these things? And the book went off to the publisher and, and my wife said to me, hey, when am I going to get to read the book? And I said, oh, the manuscript's already gone. I'm a relationships expert right here. I'm in a hurry. We, we had a deadline. And, and so uh, my wife said to me, Kylie said, I'd still like to see it. I said, well, you've, you've lived it mm-hmm. and you've been to all the presentations and seminars. You know what's in the book. She said, Justin, I'd like to read the manuscript. I said, that's fine. But it's at the publisher and it's too, you know, final draft's done. There's no more changes. So you can't criticize the text because it's not changing anyway. And Kylie got to about page eight and she said, she came across this list and she, you know, at at the bottom of the list, I've said to people uh, in in the book, imagine that your, your child, what would you say in response to these questions? Mm -hmm. And Kylie said, why are you getting people to imagine that they're their child? I said, well, so you can, you know, take the kid's perspective. And she said, why not just tell them to ask their children? (laughs) I'm like, oh, well, you don't know what the kids are going to say. That could hurt a bit. But anyway, the next night I sat down with Kylie, oh sorry, it's Kylie. I sat down with the kids in one room, and Kylie sat in the living room with a pen and paper and that list of questions. And she interviewed the children one at a time, and it sort of we we had our first ever parenting performance appraisal. Right, right? <laughs> it's terrifying. It, it was, and and later that night when we're laying in bed and we're going through the answers that the children had offered to these to these questions. Um, there, there were a couple of times where we were just weeping. We, I mean, we thought we were pretty good parents, yeah. but the kids kind of made it clear that there were some ways that we could improve. <laughs> some areas that you need to really focus yeah, on. <laughs> yeah, we could be more present. And, and, and there were some wonderful stories that came out of it as well. But one comment in particular really struck me. It really stuck with me. And that was my, my daughter, who at the time was about seven, Ella, she said, when 
dad's on the computer mm. or you're doing crafts because Kylie was doing the interview and Kylie loves crafts. And I don't know about you, but when the craft stuff comes out, it just takes over the house. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, it's Glitter chaos. for days. Yeah. And we can't find the dining table and <laughs> we, we can't find children sometimes. There's craft everywhere. And, and so she said, when dad's on the computer or you're doing craft, you're not being, and she used these words, you're not being emotionally available. Whoa. Not bad for a seven-year-old. That's old. pretty amazing for a seven-year-old. <laughs> She's probably been to my seminars. And, and, then, and then she added, just to make sure that we really got what, what was being said, she said, you say you're listening, but you're not because you keep doing what you are doing. Now, that's a direct quote. Wow. I've memorized the quote because it, it mattered that much to me. Yeah. You, you say you're listening, but you're not because you keep doing what you're doing. And, and so when I think about slowing down, well, that's really hard, mm. but I can... Uh, you, you remember when you were a kid and you were taught how to cross the road? There were yeah. three things that you had to do. You had to stop and then you had to – do you remember the last two? I do not. Oh, maybe they, did, they didn't <laughs> teach you like they taught me. There used to be a little song for it. You've got to stop, look and listen oh, before gotcha. you cross yeah. the road. Yeah. And, and that's kind of, for me, what I guess slowing down or being intentional or being present means. It means that when your children want you – you don't turn your body towards them while your face keeps staring at the screen. Absolutely. You stop and you look at them in the eyes and you listen. Mm. You don't just listen with your ears, but you can't. You, you, I'm going to do a rock set. Listen with your heart. <laughs> you know, you, you, you listen to what's really going on. Yeah. And, and because, you know, when, when you cross the road, there could be a car coming mm. and the consequences of not stopping looking and listening can be catastrophic. Yeah. But there are metaphorical cars driving down the super highway Absolutely. of our children's lives. Yeah. And if we don't stop, look and listen, they may just get cleaned up by one mm. of those cars emotionally and mm. psychologically. And they're there talking to you about it. And <laughs> yes. we, and yeah, they are there. And well, we're like, no, no, I'm listening, you know, facing facing the computer. I'm listening, I'm listening. Uh, we do it all the time, yeah. you know. So I, I, I agree with you completely that, that, that being there is absolutely vital. Um, I mean, I also do think that there are always opportunities for us to stop and question, are all these things necessary? You know, all the things that we fill our days with. And I think that's another really big accessible part of slow living that has nothing to do with the clothes that we wear or the food that we eat or anything like that. Yeah, It just means that we can, we can stop. We can say, you know, do I need to be on social media right now? Do I need to, do I really need to catch up on TV? Do I really need to be doing all these things? Uh, you know, and the question so often, the answer rather is so often, no, yeah. but why do we do it? Two, two really quick examples personally. Yeah. Uh, a, a short while ago, I made a commitment that I wouldn't use social media from nine till five. Yeah. And also not when the kids are around, mm -hmm. which means I barely have social media in my life anymore. It's changed my life. Mm. And it was, it was as simple as making that decision and, and, and then just saying, I'm not going to check it. End of story. Yeah. And, and in terms of TV, about seven or eight years ago, we, we renovated our home and the TV was on one wall. We moved on to the other wall. We never plugged it back into the aerial. We don't have cable TV or anything like that. Mm. We, we still got it connected to a DVD player so we can watch. We can intentionally choose to watch a specific program if yep. we choose, but most of the time we don't. We've essentially gone seven, eight years without a television in our home. Mm. And, and again, the difference that it's made has been, I think, profound. Yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, with kids the ages of your girls as well, just to, to have that time where they're not being sold at or, yeah. you know, yelled at or, or prodded to buy the new thing or want the new thing. Or look a certain way Absolutely. or feel lousy about themselves or learn dysfunctional relationship mm. habits. 
Yeah, I think that's so so powerful. Uh, what what kind of changes have you noticed with going social media free? I'm more productive. Mm-hmm. I'm more present. Yeah. Uh, and, and and therefore, you know, I'm I'm less distracted, and I still get that little inkling, like you know, the little red notification mm-hmm. is still there, and I've put all of my social media things into one folder on the phone, or what one, you know, whatever, whatever you call that thing where you put them all together. Yeah. But I don't get as many notifications now, and and I just don't even uh, don't even bother, and and it's just helped me to be focused. Mm. That that's really what it's all about. It's about focus and a lack of distraction. I think about what I get paid an hour. And I think to myself, I'm not getting, I'm getting paid too much to spend 20 minutes staring <laughs> at this Facebook feed to read the latest dad joke. That's it. It's just a matter of, of weighing up what's worth it and what's not as well. Yeah. Do you find that boundaries, the idea of boundaries is really helpful in, in because one of the questions I'm asked by people is, um, you know, I talk a lot about finding your why, you know, living a values-based kind of life and how that's actually the foundation to living intentionally because we refer back to our why constantly. You know, it's it's literally the foundation on which we can build an intentional life. Uh, but people often say, I don't have time to live my why. And one of the things that I suggest to people is, first of all, start questioning, but also start bringing boundaries into it, you know, boundaries around your work and your tech time and your family time and then protect them. Do you find that the idea of boundaries is a helpful one? In- it's, it's, it's essential. Mm. Uh, it's, it's crucial. It's, it's pivotal. I, I, I can't think of a word that is strong enough to describe what I'm trying to say. Yeah. We, we can't uh, achieve the things that matter unless we have boundaries in place. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, we've got to be absolutely clear on on what we are trying to achieve so that we can then create those commitments within mm. ourselves. You know, the the thing that you mentioned as well that really stood out to me then is um, managing our time. I, I've changed the way I view time over the years and we've all got the same 24 hours, but I, I look at, um, at time now rather than, you know, I've got 60 minutes. I, I look at my day or my week and I say, what what are the events that I need to be present for. What mm-hmm. are the th- where are the places that I need to be? How do I need to show up uh, and, and really be there? And so I'll schedule those events first, mm-hmm. and then all of the other stuff can be scheduled around. around that. And then I'll have my daily lists that I need to get through. But I make sure that if from ten to twelve I'm doing that thing with that person, that's in there, and and it's not negotiable. Mm. And it's about, for, for me, managing time is more about managing events um, than, than managing time. Now, that might be a little bit unique and it might not work for everybody, but it's something that's really worked for me. Yeah. And I think it's important that, that then that helps you to, to start thinking about, well, what's an event? You know, is spending time with my family an event? Right. And that makes it important. You know, I think this idea of ritualizing our time together and giving it a little more weight than we maybe have in previous times is it's really interesting to me because I think what we do is that we have movie night. Friday night's movie night in our house. It always it has been since the kids were really little. And we all genuinely love it, even if I have to watch Hook like for the 15th time in a row. I had to but, watch Alvin and the Chipmunks oh, on did, Friday yeah, night. Yeah, we did that recently. Yeah. Yeah, but, no, but we, we, we still laughed. We still had fun. Exactly. I, uh, mm. <laughs> you know, but I think by making things a, like a ritual, not in any kind of serious, heavy way, but something that you all look forward to, you you make it an event and then you make it a priority. And you actually make it meaningful. Yes. Yeah. You, you make it matter. Yeah. Um, the, the other caution that I would suggest is that 
relationships and efficiency don't really go together. Mm -hmm. I I can't say to my 14-year-old daughter, okay, I've got 10 minutes. Tell me about everything that's important in your life. (laughs) It doesn't doesn't work like that. I've actually got to create the space for that to happen organically. Mm. And with enough time, she's more than happy to start to explore and share. And I I was with a, a... a leader of a significant organization just yesterday. And we were talking about a similar principle to this. And his kids have moved out of home. His youngest daughter just got married. She's in her early 20s. And she doesn't live far from home. And he said every Saturday morning, she comes home at 5 a.m., leaves her husband in bed. And from 5 a.m. till 7.30, he and her go for a walk. They go for like a two, two and a half hour hike. He said, I've got to get up every Saturday morning at 5 a.m. to make it work. And he said, for the first hour to hour and a half, I basically don't speak. (laughs) I just let her talk. And he said, it's become one of the most enriching and rewarding traditions or Mm. rituals in his life. He longs for Saturday mornings for that connection with his youngest daughter. See, and this is this is my whole thinking with the idea of simplifying. You know, it's not so that your house looks a certain way or that you have a capsule wardrobe. I don't care about those labels. Like that's not interesting to me. What's interesting to me is that when we leave space for things, life happens. May I even suggest that leaving space is actually kind of hard? Yeah. We we, we, create. we need to create yeah. the space. I'll give you a couple of examples that we do in our home. Every Saturday, we have this thing called Super Saturday. And the kids know, don't book anything on Saturday morning because it's Super Saturday. And, and we do low cost or no cost activities. I mean, we, we essentially don't pay for anything, but we go to the nearby national park and go yeah. for a hike or we go to the beach for a swim. We're fortunate that we don't live more. I think we live about 40 minutes from the beach. Nice. Um, we, we live in, in Brisbane, so we're not on the coast, but we're close enough. We've got bike paths down the road. And so we'll go for a bike ride. Some Saturday mornings, we'll just pull out the phase 10 cards or the Uno cards, yeah. or the Skip Bow cards, yeah. and we'll just sit around the dining table and play cards. Mm. Um, but we have a Super Saturday, which is just concentrated, intentional, present time for the kids. One Saturday a month, or one, one weekend a month, we go camping. Yeah, beautiful. It's locked in. We go camping once a month. It, it takes more time with, with a family this size. It takes more time to pack the car <laughs> and unpack the car than we actually camp some weekends. You know, it's, it's, oh my goodness, it's hard work. But once we get to that campground, we set up the tents and then we sit there for the 24 hours or the 48 hours before we pack up and go home. We're kind of, we're, we, we, we always make sure we go somewhere where there are no devices or mm-hmm. we don't take our devices. And we are... We're just there, mm. and we've we've made some of the best memories you can imagine by by doing that. Yeah, we're going camping next weekend, and I'm like, where is the Wi-Fi week? <laughs> where is there no signal? Let's go there, uh, you know. And it's it's phenomenal what happens when you just allow space for that to happen or create space for that to happen. Yeah, because you very easily could schedule things for that weekend, couldn't you? You know, it, yeah. You you really have to choose not to. And and. And I don't even need to schedule work stuff. Like, you know, yeah. we're all busy. We could all work 24-7 if we, if we needed to or if we wanted to. Um, but, you know, I like to go for a bike ride. Yeah. And I could say, oh, kids, Saturday's my morning. Saturday's the day that I do the 100Ks. Mm. Uh, and so that's, a again, that's an intentional decision that I've made that Saturdays can't be that because I'll, I'll have time for that in about 15 years. Yeah. 
response. The youngest is, unless I'm doing the Saturday morning walk, but <laughs> but, but, <laughs> yeah. but you know what I mean? I can go for a bike ride other times. Yeah. And we do need to look after ourselves. We need to be intentional about that. We've got to show up for us as well. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I, I've got this this quote in one of my books that I found when I was trolling the internet sometime and it, and it said no other success can compensate for failure in the home mm. now that's that's pretty hardcore in some ways mm-hmm. that's that's potentially going to induce a whole lot of guilt for some people and it may not be perfectly true but i think it's true enough yeah i think it's a useful reminder that it does not matter how good life is outside the home when you come home if you don't have things working yeah it's really hard to feel like you've been successful, like life's working for mm. you. Yeah. And I think that's when, you know, life becomes a support system for everything else rather than the other way around. Right. Yeah. Uh, so here's a question for you that I'm asked quite frequently from uh, single parents or people with children with, with additional needs. They have significant challenges um, and constraints put on their time. How can they make room and space um, you know, for living a values-based life when they simply don't have that available to them? What are some ways, some practical ways that people can start to either create the space or create very small, actionable, accessible things that they can do? It's a tough question. Mm. Let me give you a couple of ideas. Um, we, we don't have any children with special needs, uh, but we, we, we sure live some some pretty busy lives and with six kids as you can probably imagine there's there's a whole lot going on one thing that we have found really useful in our home is we get the kids up about half an hour before they need to be up mm-hmm. now most people are thinking yeah that would never work but we've framed it in such a way that it actually makes mornings magical right so we wake the kids up about 30 minutes early and we say to them for the next 30 minutes we just want you to wake up and feel good we mm-hmm. put on some music that everybody can agree is a soothing way to wake up. You know, we're not listening to anybody's Taylor Swift or anything like that, but we're, we're listening to music and it's not mum's music or dad's music. It's just music that we've all said that makes us feel nice early in the morning. Mm-hmm. And and then we, we we live in Queensland, right? It's pretty warm up there. So we might jump in the pool with the kids. Oh, nice. Which is such a great way to wake yeah. up. You know, perfect morning and you're out there sort of swimming in the pool. Or... Um, my wife will, most mornings, she'll offer to give the kids a, a little mini massage. Wow. And so they'll come and lay on the bed and she'll give them a back rub for five or six or seven minutes just as they're waking up. Mm. And, and you know, what happens then is you get this moment of connection, this moment of touch, this moment of presence that is it's irreplaceable. Mm. And it's the kind of thing that just bonds families together. See, just like dollars are the currency of our economy, attention is the currency of our relationships. Mm. And if we are that time poor that we can't give our relationships attention, then they'll go into the red. Mm. We'll be in debt relationally. And and it's not sustainable. We've got to get them back into the black. And we do that by by making little sacrifices like a half an hour of sleep here or maybe not going for that bike ride there or you know, or whatever it might be. Mm. Some people are working two and three jobs. Some people are working seven days a week. Some people have got kids that have got such substantial needs that Thinking about doing something like that seems impossible. Mm. And so in in those instances, I'd say, turn off the radio in the car. I know that you love this podcast, 
but maybe listen to the podcast when the kids are at school and be here now. Yeah. Just be here for them. And remember that if you say to your kids, how was school today? And they say, uh, we've got to pick our timing. Yeah. You know, um, the, the best time to get kids to talk is when they're in the car, mm-hmm. captive audience. Yeah, they can't get away. <laughs> but, but they're actually usually happy to talk yeah. or when it's bedtime. That's if that's the case in our house. Absolutely. Sit on the edge of the bed, pat their leg or stroke their back and yep. say, so is there anything you want to chat about? Mm. And they'll say no mm-hmm. every time. You say, okay. And then you just sit there, give it five minutes and they'll be talking. Yep. And sometimes it'll be late when you go to bed and you'll roll your eyes and think, why did I do that? I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah. But you'll never regret it. Yeah. Yeah, and that was, I grew up in that situation. Like my dad would often come in at the end of the day. He worked long hours, so we didn't see him a lot during the day, but he would sit down on the edge of my bed or lay down next to me and just talk about our days, you know. And for me, that was so wonderful. My mum was around during the day, so we got to talk in, in different ways. But my dad, it just, it made such an impact on me. And both Ben and I do that with our kids at the end of the day. I mean, not every day. And some days they literally don't want to tell you anything, and that's okay too. But, yeah, I think that for, for us that's really important. I find the dinner table is another time yeah. where, I mean, it can be chaotic, don't get me wrong, because the kids maybe don't want to eat what, we cook, what we've cooked or whatever, but um, they do, and we sit down and we always ask each other about a good part of our day and then a not-so-good part of our day because then I feel like they feel comfortable sharing both aspects of their day. You know, like something great happened, but then I was talking in class and I, I might have got in trouble, you know. And I want them to feel like they can share that stuff with us because – if we listen to that when they're six and they're eight, we're going to be, it's going to be obvious to them that we will listen to them when they're 15, 16, 17 years old and maybe the problems are bigger or darker or harder or scarier. Yeah, yeah, um, spot on. We, yeah. We, call that, uh, we call that sunshine, storm clouds and rainbows. Because oh. we've got six girls, right? Yeah, yeah, so, of course. <laughs> I'm sure there's unicorns in there somewhere as well or fairies. But uh, we, we, sunshine is what we're grateful for today. Yeah. Storm clouds is, well, what was really hard. We add rainbows because we want to say, how did you get past it? That's really nice. What was the good stuff that came from it? Yeah. And, and i got to tell you, sometimes dinner in our place with six kids sharing their sunshine, their storm clouds and their rainbows, it can take till tomorrow. <laughs> um, but it's worth it. And the kids know that. We're present mm. in that moment. We don't get to do it every night. No. Sometimes the kids don't have stuff to share. Sometimes we're too busy. We've got places to go, things to things to do. But we do it as much as we can, and, mm. and it's just a wonderful little tradition. My favorite story to do with that, by the way, comes from a family that I did some coaching for years and years ago, and I they were struggling with their kids. One of the kids was really having a hard time, mm. and they started just doing grateful things around the table. It was just the four of them, so it was all said and done pretty quickly. And on about the fourth night, as they did the grateful things, the two kids would fight over, I am doing it tonight. No, I'm doing it tonight. So that tells you that it's working, right? The kids want to do the grateful things. And so they went mom and then dad and then little sister and then big sister. And when dad said to the big sister, "Um, what were you grateful for today? What was the best part of your day? She was quiet for a while and then she got a bit weepy and he thought, oh no, what's happened? Mm. It hasn't been a good day. And he waited And then she started to cry a bit and he said, is everything okay? And through her tears, she basically said, Dad, the best part of my day was right now. Isn't that gorgeous? I get a bit weepy just thinking about it. Because because when we're present, the kids know that they're they're what matters Mm -hmm. and mattering matters. Mm -hmm. 
And I, I mean, there's two things that I wanted to go back to as well, which was this idea that you mentioned of the bike ride. I'll do that in 15 years. Uh, and what you're doing is essentially choosing to do one thing and sacrificing another. I mean, albeit it's not the same, it's not the same level of importance. But do you think that we're too hard on ourselves and our expectations are too high that we will be able to do everything and be everything to everyone? And as a result of that, our days, our heads, our homes are crammed. So there's none of that space that we were talking about. Do you think that we maybe just need to be a bit kinder to ourselves? It's laughable. I sit down with my wife probably every... We, we, we try to have a, a quarterly getaway where we'll just disappear for a night. Yeah. We'll get a, a family member to watch the kids for one night. We'll stay somewhere affordable but nice. Mm. And we'll talk about our priorities. And we pull out the pen and paper and we say, all right, let's revisit the schedule. Let's see how we can cram more in. And I'll say, well, I've got to do my personal reading and I want to do uh, the study and I've got to write the next book and I've got to, you know, da 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 and I need to hire somebody to do that because I haven't got time. And then she'll start talking about, you know, with six kids, can you imagine how many extracurricular activities we're running around? I can't even imagine. <laughs> and so we'll look at that and we're like, okay, we're trying to get dinner at this time and it's not working. What if we, re- and we try to restructure our lives? And we do it every three months and it doesn't work. Mm. And yet we keep on trying to do it. And it's madness because you just can't do it all. And what we have started to find is that if we just say, what what are the most important things this week? Back to what we said before. Yeah. What are the most important things this week? Let's put them in now. They're immovable. Mm-hmm. What are the next most important things? Boom, boom, boom. Okay, they're done. And so we make sure that they're in. Sometimes urgency will derail those sure. important things, you know, a child will break an arm or um, so- something will happen and everything else gets put on the back burner. Mm. But getting those priorities right, I, I, don't, I don't think there's such a thing as balance. And we've just got oh, to recognize that we, you can't, unless you're going to get up at 3 a.m., you can't get all of your exercise done, all of your reading and learning and professional development done, have the family time do this, that and the other, unless, unless you're starting the day before the previous day has ended almost, yeah. you know, it's, and then you run yourself into the ground. Yeah. Uh, so there, there's really, it's almost a false ideal. Oh, I agree. we can do it all. We, we, we can't. No, I, I completely 100% agree. I mean, I talk about this idea of tilting, which is to be in where you are doing the thing that needs your attention now, which goes back to our idea of priorities and, you know, making space for those things. But also I think if balance ever did have a place, it's over a period of, three months yes. or six months or a right. year. You know, you go, how How have I been as a parent over the last six months? Do I feel pretty, I feel pretty good about it. Do I feel good about today? Not so much. But I think that that's, it's just brutal the way we judge ourselves based on this idea of, of balance, which is, you know, it's a myth. It's, 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 it's detrimental to our, I think, our self-compassion. Other than the most uh, transcendent spiritual beings that you might talk to, uh, I've spoken to some of the most wonderful humans uh, that are on the... I I get to speak to some really great people when Mm. I do conferences and that sort of thing. Incredible people. And this topic is not an unusual one to come up. And the general consensus is we're kidding ourselves. Mm. Balance, no. Just, Just prioritize. And as you said, the long view is where we get to see if we are actually getting it right. But if you look at it here in the micro oh. moment, you'll beat yourself up endlessly. Absolutely. We, we could all be a little more gentle to yeah, ourselves. We really could, which I guess, I mean, I'm mindful of our time, but what are, what are, 
I mean, we t- we spoke about the importance of looking after ourselves, but I feel like, I don't know if it's an Australian thing or not, but self-care has become this selfish notion. But what happens when we don't, when we don't look after ourselves, when we don't take a little time to, to use an overused phrase, fill our own cup? You know, something that's really fascinating to me is this whole idea that I need more me time. Mm. Um, when I did my postgraduate studies and became a doctor, I studied about a thousand Australian families. And what I found, what I was looking at is the extent to which parents were involved in their own lives versus their children's lives. And I'm not talking about being a helicopter parent no. or anything like that. I'm talking about, um, I guess, if I was to put it into a, a, a quirky little phrase, me time versus we time. Mm-hmm. And when I say we, I don't mean the, the little game that you play. I mean we as in us. What's going to bring greater well-being, greater balance, mm-hmm. greater presence, greater satisfaction with life, me time or we time? Mm. And what the research shows, both my research and research from studies overseas looking at this, a similar question in different ways, is that when our emphasis is on me time, we actually quite often resent anything that takes us away from me time. Yes. And I've worked with some parents who have said, I just need more me time. And and I've watched the way they become less than kind mm. to their children for interrupting that all important me time mm-hmm. or for, for pulling them away from, you know, I can't have as much me time as I want. But I'm yet to find any parent who invests in we time and goes camping with the kids or plays cards with the kids or goes for a bike ride or just sits down and cuddles at the end of the day, mm-hmm. who walks away from that cuddle and says, right, now it's time to do the important stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I've got that annoying garbage out of the way. Yeah. Parents don't say that. They walk away from those moments and they say, that's why, I, that's why I'm a parent. That's yeah. why I do what I do. And it's so hard to do it. Mm. But if we do it, we You know the other really interesting thing about this? When I did the research, I found that the parents who had the highest levels of satisfaction with their role as parent were the ones who spent more time in we time than me time. Interesting. And they also had higher personal life satisfaction. Their well-being was higher Mm. than the ones who were constantly chasing me time. Now, the really cool thing is I was able to do some research on some of the kids And again, what I found was that the parents who were investing in we time rather than me time had children who had higher levels of well-being. They were more engaged in life. They were more satisfied with life. They were more absorbed in what was going on around them in positive Mm. and constructive ways. In other words, for our own well-being and for the well-being of our children, it's much better to be present. It's much better to have we time Mm. than go with any other alternative me time. Yeah. And I think quality has to play a part in that too, doesn't it? I mean, we could sit on the lounge and watch TV with our kids and tell ourselves that it's quality time. Uh, And in some instances it can be, but if that's the extent of it, then I guess we need to question whether that's quality time. Yeah. That's it's an important, important caveat. Yeah. Uh, They, they need to know that we're present. A fascinating study published just, just recently showed that adolescents don't actually like their parents butting in too much, mm-hmm. but they really I'm like shocked. it. <laughs> yeah, I know, <laughs> but they really like it when their parents are hovering. Right. And when I say hovering, I don't mean helicopter hovering. I mean, if the kids are at home and they're doing stuff, they're doing their schoolwork or they're playing some games on a screen or they're just outside hanging out with a friend, they kind of like it 
that their parents mm. are present, even mm-hmm. if they're not engaged and involved. They like to be able to call out and say, hey, mum. Mm. They just like having us nearby. They're, we are all biologically wired to connect with our kin, with our family. Yeah. And teenagers are as well, even if they act like they would rather us not be there yeah. sometimes. <laughs> so do you think, and I guess, I mean, I'll, we probably need to wrap up, but but um, do you think that the infiltration of tech, particularly like handheld tech, has had a really detrimental impact on those those connections with yes. with family? Yeah. Yes, just yes. Yeah. I, 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 my, my position on tech has shifted in the last sort of six to 12 months because on a daily basis I'm confronted with it, not only in my own home, but with the hundreds of parents, mm. thousands of parents who either comment on my social media pages or write to me or talk to me at conferences or, or you know, school nights and say, I just don't know what to do. Mm. I feel like I'm losing my child. When I'm in the car, they're on their screen. When I'm at home, they're on their screen. When we come to the table, they're on their screen. When they're with their friends, they're on their screen. Mm. And and there's no question that this distraction is having a an undeniable impact. And we, we're getting more and more evidence. It's slow slow to come through because research evidence takes a while to to be conducted and sure. analysed and published and reviewed and, and so on. But the evidence tells us that there are some really significant risks around screens and tech. And I think that some of the biggest risks are what's going to happen to our family relationships and those critical connections. Mm. So what's one thing that a, a, a parent listening today can do if they've got a teen or a young, like even a younger child who has real difficulty letting go of their tech? What's one thing they can do? Uh, can I give you two? Please. Okay. Number one, don't fight about it mm-hmm. um, because if you fight about it, uh, there, there's a there's a prominent, a fairly prominent expert who's out there that tells parents that they need to get a digital spine. You know, parents, you're the parent, be the parent, get a digital spine, take control. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've watched what happens when parents do that and all that they experience is conflict or mm. the kids bury their unwanted behavior underground. They get sneaky. I don't think that's the best way to do it. I think instead we need to do what I call the three E's. We need to explain our expectation really clearly. Mm. We need to explore what's going on in our kids' lives that makes them want to be on so much. Mm -hmm. And then we need to empower them to make really wise decisions with our guidance. Uh, That's a little bit complicated and it can be quite a process, especially if things aren't going well. So to to really simplify it, what I'd say is this. Just say to the the kids, we'd like it. New rule, we're not going to have any devices at the table. We're going to have a meal as a table. We'll turn off the TV. We won't bring our phones to the table. You won't bring your tablet or your laptop to the table. We're just going to have that moment of connection. Mm. And when you make those moments count, you can talk about it later and say, hey, how did that feel? Wasn't that nice? Yeah. Role modeling too is so important, isn't it? We've got to be an example. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Justin, thank you so much. That was absolutely wonderful. I really appreciate your time and, um, you know, your, your expertise and your advice. Uh, where can people go and, and find out more about you and your books and your programs and everything else you do? Uh, happyfamilies.com.au Brilliant. is my online presence. I've got a Facebook profile out there and Twitter and LinkedIn and all that sort of stuff. All the places. If you just Google my name and Google Happy Families, you'll, you'll find me pretty easily. I'll have uh, links, in all the, uh, or links to all of those in the show notes as well. But thank you again. Much appreciated. That's a pleasure. Thanks, Paul. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.